0: They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today.
1: Hey everyone, thanks for listening to the Western Hunting Hub Podcast. Uh, If you would, do me a favor, I always forget to ask, if you listen on iTunes, give me a good review. Or a little something quick and then five stars, please. That'd be great. Uh, also, subscribe on whatever platform it is or follow. And then uh, I want to give back to you guys for our 100th episode coming up here in just a couple of episodes. Uh, and I'd like to get this out to someone before Christmas. So I've got a new Hoyt bow sitting here on my desk. It's brand new in the box, but it's not a brand new model. Uh, but it's never been shot. Still got the packet box and the package all around here. It is a Hoyt Axius. It is a 28 to 30 inch draw, 60 to 70 pounds. Uh good sharp looking bow. Pretty sure it's got the I think it's a Kuyu camo on it. I don't have it. It's still in the box. I'm not gonna pull it out. Uh but I have that for you somebody. And the reason why I wanted to do this is it was time for a giveaway. But also, I need just a little quick fundraiser uh, just to pay for the Waypoint subscription. We now have that fee. Last year, I did a Facebook donation thing, and you guys helped me buy some equipment that I'm currently still using, and uh, it's been making this whole thing work. So, appreciate all of you for that. Uh, but this year, uh, now I need to help pay for the podcast itself. So just asking for a little favor. Uh, and in return this year, you'll be put into a drawing for a bow. If Even if you're enjoying the podcast or, uh, and this bow doesn't fit you or you're left-handed, uh, it'd be great. Throw in 20 bucks and take it and give it to somebody. It'd be a really great Christmas gift for somebody. So uh, the ways that you could get into this drawing are donate 20 bucks or 100 bucks. I don't care. You can donate as much as you want uh, for but each $20 increment is one ticket into the bucket. And I'm going to go through and do some manual work and put these things actually in a bucket cuz I'm not I don't actually need that many. Uh, 60 people would probably take care of it. It'd pay for the bow, and it'd pay for the monthly subscription. I think that's right in there. So your odds actually wouldn't be too terrible bad. It'd be about like a Ducks Unlimited banquet when you buy a card out of the 52-card deck. So your, your chances would be about like that, unless you bought a lot more, and then your chances are pretty good. So not a huge, huge pull pull or not a huge um, pool of people I'm sure Um, or maybe it will be I'll be surprised it'd be great Uh, but we'll get you in your name into the drawing so you can Venmo me and I will have the link down below to my Venmo which is just at Clint Whitley at C-L-I-N-T-W-H-I-T-L-E-Y or we'll do I'll put my PayPal link down below uh, or I'll set up a Facebook donation thing like I did last year. The big thing I need to do is make sure that your name is attached to it uh, in some way, as well as your phone number or a way to contact you. So I can make sure to let you know you won the bow. If you do that contact, I would suggest maybe putting uh, the Venmo on private. Don't make it a public post. So uh, there you have it. Uh, we've got uh, a sweet new bow ready to go out to somebody, but we're going to run this just a month or two and hopefully get that out before Christmas. All right, so anyway, thanks for uh, all, you've, all you listeners for the last 99 episodes, 98 episodes, uh, and this one is with Dylan Dawson from Onyx. We've had him on before for... Multiple things with Onyx. So this time we've talking, talking hunting as well as uh, some new features Onyx has coming down the, down the pipe. Thanks. All right, Dylan. Thanks for coming on my podcast again. This is probably three or four. I think you've you've been on. So uh, I like the the regularity of you joining me here, and it's fun to to hear the inside from from Onyx. And uh, but thanks for coming back on.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. Thanks for having me back. And as you said, it's always good to catch up, especially mid season and exchange some hunting stories and talk about what's what's new going on at ONX. So happy yeah. to be here.
1: Yeah. And that's, that's really what I've been focusing on quite a bit lately. It's just hunting stories. Cause that's what we learn from. And, uh, I catch some flack here and there for the mistakes made in the field. But <laughs> I don't care <laughs> That's a, i've got
2: I've got plenty of mistakes this year, yeah, and uh when you start to get um i wouldn't say cocky, but when you uh start to feel like you you're starting to get a few things figured out, particularly in my case for archery Oak um you become humbled very quickly,
1: <laughs> yeah, yep, I am right there with you had a pretty rough uh rough go there. The tag got filled, but it was a a rough deal. So yeah, tell us about, let's walk, walk through, uh, your fall so far, what, what you've, what you've had, what you, let's tell some stories.
2: For sure. Um, so this fall definitely has been different. Um, and we might've even, I can't remember the last time I was on quite how long ago it was, but, um, long story short, I, uh, became a father on May 3rd of this year. So first year um having a kiddo at home and it changes things a little bit as far as time time in the field um you know it's it's great as as we were talking earlier i wouldn't change anything for the world but uh you're definitely a little more limited and it's easy to say it was easy for me to say beforehand oh you know by the time september rolls around we'll be good to go and i'm you know it won't limit me too much and everything will be good but Not always the case. So, um, this year I'm definitely, I was and am relying on e-scouting a lot more heavily this year than I ever have, just because I didn't put boots on the ground once before season. I did not hike into an area. I did not glass an area. I didn't even drive up to an area, um, before season, which is a little unusual. Um, so e-scouted pretty hard this year. Um, which is, is good to look at things from a, you know, a different perspective. But when I, when I got to some of the areas that I was e-scouting, I re- I quickly realized the, so Montana here where we've been struggling for moisture. Um, I don't know if they would consider it quote unquote, a drought, but it is very, very dry. Um, and I, I think that's one of the, the main factors for this year, just not finding elk where I typically find elk and um, not e-scouting areas quite effectively when, once I get boots on the ground. So anyways, um, limited on time so far, but um, actually, and to take another step back, uh, a couple of really good buddies of mine drew some great tags this year for rifle. Um, one of them drew a, a moose tag, uh, a rifle moose tag. One of them drew a mountain goat tag. And another uh, buddy, co-worker, Zach Sandow, drew a really good art or not archery, a uh, rifle bull tag here in Montana. So a lot of the season also, um, I shouldn't say a lot, a considerable amount of the season so far has also been with, with them on their tags just because I want to help out and be a part of it as much as possible. Uh, a couple weeks from now is opener for rifle here in Montana. And then we are, I'm headed out with Zach for his uh, rifle out tag for four or five days on that one. So, um, you know, it kind of, feels like a little bit my tags have been burning a hole in my pocket but uh there's still definitely some time and that's what's nice about montana with the the long seasons and then if you're not successful in archery you can pull out the rifle and have a full rifle season so yeah you crossed
1: you've already got a really nice bull so it's nice
2: to have <laughs> go out and it, uh, i i should have had another one this year though i oh shoot so i i went uh basically my hunt this year was, was one week I took one week off and went. And typically i I would do that in the past, but I would also, you know, do long weekends and even evening hunts and morning hunts and, you know, just stay as local as possible just to get as many hunts in as I can. Um, and I feel like that's always played a huge role in my success. Um, you know, just time in the field and being persistent and so this year I took one week off uh, and I had a kind of a, it, it is a special unit um, archery elk tag, but pretty easy one, pretty much a guarantee for a resident here in Montana. Um, went over, had several close encounters, um, a handful of just shook my head and the, are you kidding me? Like, how did I mess that up? Or how, you know, drawing, drawing my bow and the wind switch at the last second, like three of those where you're just like, I don't even know what I would have done differently, but incredibly frustrated. Um, Yeah. On, on some nice bulls. And I, uh, I did release an arrow on a very nice six point. um, And he, he ended up spinning right as I shot and it didn't work out. ended up watching that bull for four or five days, tried to get on him several more times, got to like 65 yards from him in his bed and the wind switched and, so, yeah, lots of uh, very close calls with uh, a couple of really nice bulls. And, you know, you keep replaying those moments in your head. And you're like, if if I would have shot a quarter second sooner or if I wouldn't have, have got up and, you know, move five feet on that stock or whatever, that bull would have came right by me. and But that's that's what keeps us going back and keeps it exciting. I mean, um, definitely a lot of feel to the fire for next archery season.
1: And it's those images I know are burned in your brain. Like there are mine of those. That when you get the glimpse of that big rack or whatever it is, turning and bolting or ducking or doing something that it's like, that was the last image I saw of it. And that's, it's over. It's gone. Yep. It's yep. So those just are <laughs> exactly. burned into your brain. And oh, yeah. yeah, they either feel the fire or, humble you or make you want to just throw your bow
2: (laughs) i I would say definitely all of the above right this year uh there was another one too that i i typically never sit on water it's just not a way that i really like to hunt but it was incredibly hot it was like 95 degrees and i didn't really have a plan for an evening hunt and i was like well i know where a water tank is and i know there's elk in the area i'm just gonna try and be patient and go sit and, and maybe something will come in um I sat down and I think I was there for like 30 minutes. And this is why I don't sit water because I was there for 30 minutes and I was already bored. Um, yep, I was, I was like looking me. around and it wasn't, I wasn't real covered where I was sitting and I was looking around and there's a couple like uh, logs and some branches and whatever. And I was like, well, I've got plenty of time. I'm here a little early. I'll get up and, you know, make myself a kind of a makeshift little ground blind just to be a little more concealed. So I don't feel like I'm sticking out in the wide open when an elk does come in, if an elk comes in. And so this is probably, I don't know, 4.30, 4.45 in the afternoon. Um, Should have known better with how warm it was. But anyways, I I leave my bow on the ground, get up and grab a few of them, start making a a little makeshift blind. And uh, I heard something. I turned my head and there was probably, he was a nice bow. He's probably about a 300 inch six point um at no kidding probably 20 yards from me running the direct opposite way um i have no clue how how close that bull walked right to me he was coming right to the water and he was in the wide open um if i had my head on a swivel and was paying attention i would have seen him um but i was you know making myself a ground blind (laughs) so i that one will definitely be etched in my mind because it was one of those, like if I just stayed sitting down, um, you know, and the wind stayed consistent, which I, I feel like it was, uh, that bull would have walked 15 yards in front of me broadside.
1: <laughs> oh geez. Isn't that crazy? Like you talk about elk are not quiet. You hear them coming, but then they, oh, yeah. when they're just making their way to feed or whatever, but when a bull wants to sneak in somewhere, how the heck does that giant thing with, three foot wide antlers make it through stuff or 700 pound animals not step on a stick. How do we, yep. how do we no. not hear that? And yeah. you and I are not at the age to where our hearing's going where we can still hear that stuff. How are, how are we not hearing those things? That just blows my mind. That, that story is so common. So common.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It just blows my no, mind. I just
2: remember hearing, uh, you know, when, when elk are kind of running sometimes, but they're not like really trying to get out of there. They just knew something was up and it's almost like they drag their hooves as they run. Um, I don't know if it's to make more noise or that's just how they, that this particular bull ran, but it really stood out to me Him just like kind of dragging his hooves on the ground as he was running. And yeah, like I said, he was 20 yards when I saw him. So, I mean, that bull could have been under 15 yards for me when he decided that, the weird object and camo up grabbing sticks wasn't what he was interested in. <laughs> yeah.
1: I, a few years ago I had that with raking a tree and I literally, my pants were up, but I felt like my pants were at my ankles. Just I'm raking <laughs> a tree and my bow is down there. And that giant six point with his inlines were just so I just got it that engraved, engraved in my brain of that fourth, fifth, six, just like that perfect sequential, Uh, getting smaller as they go down to those points, just the beautiful, those points I remember just being really pretty and he was narrow, yeah, but just a beautiful looking 300 whatever class bull. And he just caught me at 15 yards, snuck in out of nowhere, that same thing again, not being ready. And I called him in, but it called him in too close and I quit quit too late
2: <laughs> so yeah no and that, the same thing happened to me last year I was actually I was solo, and I was uh exchanging bugles from a bull at the very bottom of a, a drainage that I was debating on if he was going to continue to to respond I was going to head down in after him but it was just it was nasty um so honestly I was sitting on the edge of a logging road by myself kind of just contemplating, okay, what's my move? What are the thermals going to do in the next hour? Where's that bowl going to go? Do I want to drop down, you know, 1,500 feet into this nasty drainage after him right now? Um, and anyways, I, I bugled, and I, I'll remember this one forever. I bugled, and then all of a sudden I heard just almost like one tiny little rock move to my left. And so as the bugle tube is still like up to my, my mouth, I just kind of like slowly turned my head and he was a small bull, but he was standing there 15 yards, just staring at me, watching me be Oh, I was no. like, how, like, where did, like, where did he come from? I have no idea. I didn't hear him. It was a rocky old logging road. So I should have heard him walking down the road. Um, but yeah, that was another one where, like you said, my pants were up, but they did not feel like it. Um, and he yeah. stood there and stared at me uh, for the longest time. And wind switched and that was that but yeah all those little you know between those which that's kind of out of your control i don't usually feel too bad about those um, right. but then again right. i i definitely did about like the the sitting on water one because it was just my lack of patience that caused that one um but then there's all those little little split second decisions that you make that can make or break your season like that the bull I let narrow go on this year Um, really nice uh, typical narrow probably about a 320 bull, excellent great bull Um, I mean I'd be happy I'm happy with any uh, bull with a bow but this one was definitely would have been one of the better ones that I had shot and uh, walked by me at about 30 yards and I decided to call to stop him and he didn't like it you know if I would have just not called and maybe he would have stopped and not knowing I was there and I would have had time and it would have been great. Or he might've kept walking and walked in my wind and I wish I would have stopped him. So, you know, all those little decisions that will haunt you, but then also if you do it right, then it, uh, makes the hunt.
1: Yeah. And you know, what's crazy is that whitetail hunters would probably laugh at us. We can't sit for 30 minutes or an hour (laughs) or I had, uh, Danny Bolton on. Um, I interviewed him yesterday and it'll be, that one will be my hundredth episode. So that's kind of cool. Um, that's awesome, but he was hunting in Idaho, uh, and I don't know if you knew who he, know who he is, but he was just on the mediator podcast. He was on their cat scratch fever, the one that got super sick from eating raw goat. Um, oh yeah, but anyway, he uh, he he sat in a he went to an outfitter of some sort, but he sat in a few different blinds for ten straight days and sitting over a water hole in Idaho and nothing for 10 straight days. He said it was brutal. It's like, I couldn't even do that. No, no, (laughs) I have a lot of respect for,
2: yeah, I have a lot of respect for people who do. Um, I my I think it's more difficult. I think it's more challenging to sit for even an evening than it is to go hike around and, and see what you can run into. But you know, it can be incredibly effective too. Um, I mean that, that afternoon it would have, it should have worked for me, you know, who knows he might've winded me at the last minute or known something was up or whatever. You never know. But, um, yeah, it, it can be effective.
1: So you were talking his last like early spring, I think maybe we, we had talked, but you had mentioned looking into a Colorado hunt, um, that happened at all or going to happen at all this uh, year or nope, is it... that
2: one got postponed to next year um still looking into it but uh figured and i'm glad now that i postponed it um as i said in the beginning you know all i right. thought oh it'll be the same i'll have all this time and whatever which uh i was humbled a little bit um but yeah that one got postponed so that probably hopefully fingers crossed we draw uh, will be in next year
1: what about the goat or moose hunt any of those happen yet that you're we
2: jumping um, on yes yeah, so my my buddy i was i was supposed to go on the mountain goat hunt um and ch- plans changed dates pivoted a little bit um so i wasn't able to go on that one and he actually tagged out on a nice goat really early in the hunt so that one tags already filled but i wasn't there uh, my other buddy's moose hunt he's actually up right now um and uh the weather here in montana definitely has switched the past week or so i'm looking outside and it's kind of raining snowing there's some snow up high in the mountains um and the visibility hasn't been very good so he said the last couple of days he he uh, reached out last night had some service and so the last couple of days uh been struggling a little bit with weather and visibility um but he's he's out this week and i'm hopefully going to meet up with them one of these evenings and then this weekend as well as carrying my bow around in case i find a a bull on the last weekend of archery here in Montana. Um, and then the, the rifle elk hunt, uh, kicks off two weekends from now. So not, not this coming weekend, but then the following is, is opener for that one.
1: I don't even know. It's just like drawing a goat tag. You're like, I don't know what I'm doing. Cause you don't get the hunt those very it's, often. Yep, like a moose yep. hunt. It'd be one of those. I don't know what I'm doing because I'm not, <laughs> it's, Something that is brand new and how to hunt them, the you learn how to hunt elk, deer, and bear really well because you can do it all the time. Mm-hmm. But moose, you just back to square one and learn everything. So that'd be that's cool that you get to jump, hopefully jump in on a hunt and learn from their mistakes or at least hear what his <laughs> strategies are or just, and then yep. see what works so what doesn't work. So the day you draw one, you got an idea. Yeah, hopefully, <laughs> so
2: hopefully he, that day
1: comes. Yeah. You can just tell him he's the unlucky one that drew first. So we have to learn from however
2: you do it. Exactly. No, that's, that's a good point. And like we went to Kodiak last year and hunted, uh, Sitka blacktail, Mm -hmm. which was, you know, I I figured going into like that one, okay, I've hunted enough white and mule deer. There's going to be some correlations and there definitely was, but just more so hunting new terrain and new species. Um, by the time your hunt is over, you feel like you're just kind of getting it figured out. You know, you're like, man, if I had another seven days now, after knowing what I know, it would be, you know, a lot more productive. Um, So that's kind of probably the same with a moose sheep or goat, you know, not really much experience, but by the end of it, you're like, man, I wish I
1: wish I could do that again.
2: I wish I knew now what I knew, or I wish I knew then what I know now. Yep. Exactly.
1: So then, uh, what's the rest of the fall look like besides that that elk hunt? Uh, yeah, buddies so, and, or yeah, elk hunt and moose hunt.
2: Yep. Elk hunt. Uh, hopefully, get on the moose hunt, and then I'm going to try and uh, figure out how to kill a, a bull elk with a rifle, which honestly will be new to me. I've I've never shot a bull with a rifle. I've shot a couple cows, um, but typically it's just archery is is for elk, and once rifle season. Um, comes, you know, I, I I switched to mule deer. Um, and so this year will be a little different. going to take some time off and and try and find a a later season bull, uh, with the rifle. I say that, I mean, I do have this weekend still, but, uh, that doesn't pan out. It's, uh, onto the rifle. And then we, I usually make it, uh, back home to Eastern Montana for the last week of, of rifle season. And then really that week is, is all mule deer. Um, once in a while we find an occasional nice white tail that catches my attention and diverts my plan from mule deer, but, uh, that's basically a, a week long mule deer hunt. Cool.
1: Uh, what, uh, what little adventures have you taken, taking the little one on? What's, uh, cause I'm sure, I'm sure you've probably decided to like, I'm at least going to go do something. <laughs> yeah, you...
2: for sure. For sure. So we, uh, my wife and I actually took him on one elk hunt this year. And when I say elk hunt, um, you know, we, we drove around and, and bugle check some canyons and walked a little ways from the pickup and glass and, and whatever. Um, and he did, he did pretty well. He, he got a little fussy. He got a little upset on the ride home on the bumpy ride. I don't think he liked that, but um, yeah, it was, it was cool just to get him out. You know, obviously it wasn't, going to be a, a super productive hunt um, I did tell my wife you know if we get a response down in a drainage I'll see you when I see you um, right. if you have to you can run back to the house and and do what you need to do um, and then come come get pick me up later or whatever um, but it was it was really cool honestly more so for the photos and and the memories of just his first hunting trip if you will um, it was definitely worth taking taking the time to do that and, you know, not going on a more serious hunt for that, that day. So it was cool.
1: Yeah. I, uh, I, I got a three year old and this may sound horrible, but I hate going to the playground. I, (laughs) (laughs) um, playing with, with little toys is fine, but with him, but when I am, when he's on my back, chirping my ear off, just talking about whatever, pointing out poop, pointing out this, that is mm-hmm. so much fun for me, so much fun, and and I'm excited for you to experience it, the day when he, right, or what's she, that? You're you he. a little yeah, yep. you've got a little boy. Yep. Um, yep. when when he is talking and saying having you're having conversations <laughs> that are. Uh yeah just so much fun i that is the most rewarding part and I've got so many plans in the near future of just even a little camping out. I can't wait to to camp out with him and do a one day hunt uh and whether that's chase antelope or deer or something like that that's that's when I have yep. the most fun with him absolutely and and Maybe that's me being selfish because we're doing what I like to do, but it's, I don't even care what we, (laughs) yeah, I I took him on an antelope hunt and it was a mistake because it was opening day and there was too many hunters out, but he was, we, I just wanted to shoot it. I had a doe tag and a buck tag and I really, really wanted to just put something on the ground. I didn't care what, just to, just for him to see that part and be a part of that. And it's just too many too many hunters and and he now repeats the hunt other hunters ruined our shot the hunter hunters (laughs) that's that's his response to that now uh because we were on actually on a really nice buck (laughs) yeah it was just a matter of the right movements and the right things to come together and it just didn't as hunters piled in all around uh and just yeah didn't really care that you were there and then it was a safety thing of i'm getting out of here this is stupid there's way too many people chasing a few antelope that i have no desire to to be a part of
2: but yeah no for sure i'm looking forward to to those hunts though you know the just taking him out in uh where he can engage and and be a part of it and say no i think we should go around this way or you know no let's let's crawl up and see if we see him that type of stuff and Honestly, I remember, um, I remember going with my dad when I was, shoot, we've got a couple photos where I was like four and, and actively, you know, hunting with him and on some success photos and stuff. And yes, yeah, it's, it's just cool. I'm hoping he likes it, um, as much as I do, but, uh, I feel like as long as, you know, I don't, don't burn him out with it or, or take him, you know, super early on when the conditions aren't awesome or anything like that, I think it'll, I think he'll be be into it fingers crossed
1: <laughs> yeah that's a that's a weird balance of you want him to like it but you know you can't, what you i don't want him to like it
2: too much <laughs>
1: no no and i've and i keep telling myself i don't really care what he's into i just want him to be into whatever he does he does it the best of his ability if it's yep And maybe that is just going to be oh god forbid not basketball because i was a wrestler but even if it is <laughs> basketball, then...
2: I've played basketball, so... Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah.
1: Sorry. Uh, sorry, yeah. You know, yes. A little difference between the grapplers and the pumpkin pushers. <laughs>
2: exactly. No, I've, I've heard it
0: all.
1: Yep, Yeah. Me too. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I don't care if it is basketball, then... But as long as he does it to the best of his ability, and that's what he puts his time in, and he has an appreciation for the outdoors, that's what I care about. That appreciation yep. is is the goal because he doesn't have to be a hunter to appreciate it and understand what I'm doing. But if it's a part of my life, like it is nonstop 24 seven, uh, hunting is a part of my life that it's just what we do. It's a part of life. And I think that's just going to come through because you do the same thing. Your work and, and your play is, has very, fine lines and sometimes you can't tell the difference uh, it's it's hunting and and work
2: and so yeah no absolutely I totally get what you're saying and like you said I mean for for us and um you know speaking for me I guess it it's just something like you said it's something we do there's never like a oh am I going to go out this season or you know <laughs> it's just it's something I've always done and something I I do and just kind of a part of who I am um, so yeah, no, it's, it's good though. I'm looking forward to a few years from now.
1: Yeah. So switching gears, uh, having to do a little bit more e-scouting and I've been sharing a lot of, of and watching a lot more of, uh, your guys's videos. Cause there's been some really good tutorials on and just short clips on, Hey, hey here's a new features, how to use it. What are some of the, the new things that Onyx have been putting out that are useful for well i'm sure it's all useful but some of those big things that you've really enjoyed using and been helpful
2: yeah for sure and like like you and i were talking earlier you know we're, we're always putting out new stuff but first and foremost our biggest um i wouldn't say goal but you know what what we do ahead of new fancy shiny features is make sure that our data is the most accurate and up-to-date out there possible so we're constantly updating states, whether that be new private land boundaries or ownership or, you know, maybe it was a, uh, a land swap where something new is in public and then something new is in private game management unit boundary changes, etc. So uh, we are constantly updating every state, um, you know, as, as frequently as possible. Um, and then once we get that figured out, I mean, they're separate teams, so it really doesn't compete with each other. once we get those all updated, um, you know, then we start working with new features and stuff and a couple of new ones this year that, that have really came in handy for me, um, is a a major update to 3d. So currently it is, um, on the computer. So when you have the phone app, you can go on the computer and view the same map. It's really nice for e-scouting and just looking at things with a bigger picture. Um, and this year, we we revamped our 3D, made it a lot more user-friendly. Um, it shows 3D definitely uh, better than what it did before. Um, and it's just kind of a, a new experience. And this year, e-scouting, I use that a ton. So you can now put layers on top of it. You can mark waypoints, uh, lines, tracks, whatever, right, right on the 3D. Um, of course, all of that data that you put in there, Uh, transfer seamlessly right to your phone so when you get in the field but I would say for me this year 3d is is kind of the the biggest one that that I found useful um a couple other ones that we've done this year and we're working on quite a bit right now as we speak but uh crop uh data is is one of them and so what that is essentially is uh it's a layer where you can turn on and off different crops um So for, for farm crops and and egg fields and all that good stuff, you can see actually what was planted last year, whether it be soybeans, you know, wheat, winter wheat, um, alfalfa, hay, corn, whatever. Um, we've got a ton of those that you can turn on and off. And to be completely honest, originally going into it being a Western hunter, um, I didn't really see the value in it that I do now. I, I was like, yeah, this is super great information. Uh, probably going to lend itself a little bit better toward the whitetail hunter, you know, sitting over crops, um, whitetail hunting. Um, but the more that the season has gone on, like where my elk hunt was, we were on public land, but there was um, some private bordering it and some private around it that had some alfalfa fields. And I was able to, to go on the app, turn on alfalfa hay, um, and visually see where those fields were last year this year they were in the same spots and then those elk in the night time would, would feed out into the alfalfa fields um and then come back you know first light or whatever and bed on public in the timber so it was super helpful for that and i i feel like mule deer whitetail hunting will be equally helpful um even if i'm hunting breaky country that's not egg land there's a good chance if there's if there's crops around um you know within a mile or couple miles even um you know they're they're gonna head there and and eat that there's no sense eating out of a bunch of sagebrush grass when when there's alfalfa half a mile away up the coolie so um yeah that one's proven to be a lot more beneficial for for the western hunter than than i was originally anticipating um and then yeah like i said we're we're just working on a lot of new stuff a bunch of updates for save maps for sharing content um we're possibly working on some some wind direction on the map stuff um and yeah i'm I'm excited for for what's to come for sure there's there's quite a bit on the, the docket
1: yeah i've got uh a new spot that is kind of very similar to the that break country with some i can i know there's irrigation pivots in the area down below and so that similar similar concept you're talking about of all right, I know these mule deer are going to be feeding down in those fields and making their way back up into the brakes in the morning. Uh, so that, yeah, I was looking at that a similar way as a. Be interesting to know what what exactly planted there, but as a hunter and a user of the product, I was kind of questioning. Like, and I know this is secret information, and and you can't say how you necessarily got it, but it's to the point where I'm like how accurate is this? How how do you, how did, how do we know? Yeah. I didn't know, like some of that would be public information. Like how do they know a a farmer planted corn this year or last year?
2: So yeah, I, I can't get into it too much, but essentially a lot of it is done on like satellite imagery. Um, there's based off of, you know, Algorithms are some, something that somebody a heck of a lot smarter than myself <laughs> uh, figured out and put together. But, you know, it, it's new in the sense that nobody, to to my knowledge anyways, uh, nobody really has it. So it's kind of something that sets us apart. It's not easily accessible. Um, and so as far as accuracy goes, we we tested a lot of areas, had a lot of our ambassadors and, and people that we know in the industry uh, kind of spot check it and you know everything was good to go on that the one thing to note with that though is they are last year's crop it's not what's planted currently right now um just because it'd be impossible to to get that with with the way that we do so but a lot of folks um who are educated in the matter will know okay well if this was planted soybeans last year there's a chance it could be this this or this or um kind of understand the rotations on the crops um and so it can be still incredibly helpful on what it can be this year. Well, and
1: that's probably your main one anyway that you care about is knowing corn versus soybeans. I think that seems to be the biggest decision factor for stand locations or whatever, I would I would assume. And that's yep. been my experience. And, you know, if they switch from one crop to the next, a turnip to sunflowers or whatever, mm-hmm. that's going to be some it's still a, a valuable food source would you hunt that any differently maybe maybe not i don't know uh but corn and soybeans absolutely difference in cover different food source uh definitely would be hunting yep. that just a little differently so
2: yeah and so we're working on kind of an extension of this um is some tree data so you know you'll be able to uh, in the future be able to pinpoint like a pack of, uh a pocket of aspens um, mixed in with some other tree trees. And then also, so it'll show you the the tree type, but also the, uh, you know, how mature that forest is. Is it like a stage one, two or three? And what does that mean? Um, and so that'll be, that'll be helpful too. And I know for me, I will definitely have to educate myself a little bit more on, you know what that means what what am i looking for and i it's going to be really interesting to, because i've got a ton of waypoints um for bedding areas and for you know feeding areas and for all these things let's say specifically for elk um and then once we get that data in the app looking at it in conjunction with the data that i already have knowing that this was a feeding area knowing that this is a bedding area because i've been there um it'll be really interesting to to see what type of correlations I can make with the data I've collected. And then knowing what the tree data is for those particular areas, there might be some patterns, um, that, that I can educate myself with and then it'll help me looking for other places to hunt, uh, to kind of repeat those patterns. So yeah, that, that's uh, another one that we're working on right now that, um, you know, nobody really has. So that's a cool one.
1: Uh, I got an idea that this would be kind of cool. Uh, maybe even like a safety thing of if there's any way to turn on your location and share that with a buddy, so that you know where they are. And I know there's an there is an app out there that has done that, but you had to, had mm-hmm. to have been in Wi-Fi, and maybe you still do. But uh, like I know I used to Find My Phone to know where my wife is all the time, just as a as a little okay. I know she's coming home. I know where she's at. Mm-hmm. I know she's safe, but. Uh, it'd be a neat safety thing of, of being able to check where, where your buddy's at. It's like, Hey, check on you and you allow them to share, share points. I don't know. Is that a, is that a thing?
2: It's definitely a thing as far as being talked about, discussed and and being looked into. Um, currently until, you know, that either a technology or B, you know, we get that figured out. Um, we actually have partnered with somewhere. So are you familiar with somewhere? Uh, uh. So basically, I'm sure you're, you're familiar with uh, like Garmin inReach, yeah. um, like a satellite communicator. So somewhere essentially does the same thing. Um, allows you to, to text, to send messages from anywhere in the world, basically um, without cell service. And so we have partnered with somewhere to where you get a discount on the device um, when you're an elite member to, to Onyx. And then also with that, uh, we're working on some cool things where, You can share waypoints while uh, while you don't have service.
1: Okay, so yeah, my my inReach, yeah, it's another device. It's heavy. Um, The I don't even have one anymore. I I had used it for a different job down the road in the in the past, and it was a big thing, like that old GPS style thing. I didn't really use, Uh, and yeah, because you have Onyx, and I had the old old chip and i know you guys still have that but the old chip that was in my little e-trex garmin thing and uh so i've had those but now it's just like most people it's all on my phone so that yeah that'd be that'd be a neat piece of technology to have pretty and another another thought just as a if you're able to turn on locations is that a you wonder can you turn on locations to allow other people to discover you so when you're turkey hunting yeah i want to let people to know where i'm at with it within maybe a mile or half mile um so you could turn that on just as a, a hey i'm here please don't come in and shoot
2: me kind of yeah uh, yeah no that's uh that's a good idea you know for certain certain applications um
1: because we had that that we'd, fatality we'd ha- in colorado this year
2: yeah yeah that was just that, a, that was horrible i read about that
1: crazy deal
2: yeah. No, that is, that is a good idea. Uh, one I'll pass on, you know, we'd probably have to continuously remind folks to turn it off if they wanted it off, because I know oh, gosh, if somebody yeah. accidentally did that, uh, we would be, uh, of course to blame that somebody forgot to turn it off and now their, their secret hunting spot is exposed. But I, I do like that, especially when you look at hunting with a group, right? So if I'm, you know, if it's, I don't, obviously I being so new to, uh, the father world. Um, I don't know at what, what point, you know, I'll separate hunting with my kid and whatever, but at some point that's going to happen. And for me to be able to just look on my on and see where he's at and vice versa, oh, exactly. um, that's going to be great peace of mind. And for safety, um, a for, you know, like you were just alluding to shooting in that direction, but B just in general, you know, if, if, uh, I think we've all been there where you're hunting with somebody and, you get back to camp and they haven't showed up for about an hour and a half and you just, you start to wonder, okay, like what's, what's going on? Where are they at? Um, And so to be able to share your location with other folks and, and look at it and be like, okay, well, I can see his location is making his way toward camp. So we're good to go. Or, you know, he's down in the bottom of this drainage, either a something happened or B hopefully he's cutting up uh, an elk. So um, yeah, I, I think the, the future is going to be really cool with some of those things.
1: And as we talk about advancements in technology, uh, and those crazy, this would be cool. This would be cool. Kind of stuff. How much do you guys deal with the traditionalists and those, those conversations? How do you navigate th- that conversation with those people that say, it to, or even within your company of how do we keep things? What's fair chase? and. Um, Yeah,
2: absolutely. And that's, you know, that's a kind of a moral question, um, which is going to be different for basically everybody you ask, right? Um, And so I know we we definitely do discuss that a lot as a company. Um, You know, at what point is, you know, when we get to a, a point in time when technology is so advanced that we might have an opportunity to do this, this and this, like, how does that look? Is that something that we it would be fair chase is that something that would um you know just just all sorts of conversations so it's definitely being talked about and i think that the biggest thing is you know us us as a company who us folks who hunt and you know ha- have seen it evolve it definitely is becoming more tech technic more techie if you will um just, just weighing our opinions and, and going from there. But at the end of the day, too, also working very closely, which we currently do with with states, um, FWP and laws and all that good stuff. So, yeah, it, I don't think it's an issue right now, but it definitely could be in the future. Um, but I'm confident, you know, as, as a company and as a product we put out, you know, we would uh, do what we can do to, to help hunters be successful and be safe, but at the end of the day, I, I believe, you know, like you were alluding to though, hunting is a little bit of a traditional thing and it needs to stay that way to a certain point. Right.
1: And and it helps that you guys are a company full of hunters and yep. everybody
2: yep. hunts, you
1: you have that discussion. So I could totally see down the road a, the data being available if you wanted mm-hmm. to, to request it from state agencies on collared deer and Hey, it's public information. I can request that, uh, give me the information on that. And you'd be able to pull the data and plug it into something and say, well, I can track this deer myself (laughs) or something like that. That could, I could see that being tempting for certain companies. And as soon as you do that, that's taken away fair chase very clearly, very clearly. Absolutely. Yep. So, um, but yeah, uh, I don't want to take up too much more of your time, um, and uh, I got to go on a little quick antelope hunt right now, so I think we're, that's <laughs> I'm good. jealous. I'm
2: I'm going to get back to work, so uh, your your afternoon is looking a little bit more fun than than mine, as far as if you're able to go go on an antelope hunt.
1: Yeah, the beautiful beautiful thing about antelope hunting is it doesn't matter what time of day; just go on a exactly. I, yep. Yeah, they just seem to never last that long. I like uh, my antelope hunts in the last two years; just have been so short, <laughs> so short. Yeah. So it's probably now time to, to spend a little more time doing it, looking for a, a nice buck or something like a, something with a little more mass to it. Cause I've only got a few, few, few antelope bucks and under my, my name. And it's, I want to look for one of those with fence posts on his head. That'd be nice.
2: <laughs> the one that you look at and you're like, wow, that's a big antelope. You know, it's, yeah. it's kind of like, uh, with antelope and bear, um, bears, like, you know, you can look at all these antelope and be like, ah, that one's definitely bigger than that one and whatever. But even if you don't really know a ton, you know, when you're out bear hunting, you can look over a lot of bears and be like, oh, I think that's a pretty good bear. But when you see a good one, when it's a really good one, you don't have to be like, I think that's a good bear. You're just like, holy cows. That's, that is that's that's a big bear. That is, that is um, and so that's true. the same. Yeah. That's the same with antelope that I found too. I mean, I've seen a couple exceptional antelope, you know, in the the eighties range probably. And when you see one like that, like you're not like, man, he's got pretty long cutters. He, he curls in pretty good. I think he's pretty massive. When you see like a, a true good one, you're just like, Holy cows. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. so yeah, no, it's, it's fun. I actually didn't even draw and love this year. And I, I should have for sure. Hmm. Um, Montana's getting a little bit harder. Well, everywhere is getting a little bit harder to draw.
1: Yeah, absolutely. well, well, I appreciate it, and thanks for your time. and And uh, um, we'll uh, we'll talk to you soon. Talk to yeah, right, sounds these, good. These... Uh, let
2: me know how the antelope hunt goes, and let's definitely catch up. and Hopefully, I've got a few more exciting stories after rifle season.
1: <laughs> Perfect. Well, thanks again.
0: Yep.
2: Thank you. <laughs>